day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And wow, uh, today is the Day of the Don, is what the New York Post cover said. The Day of the Don. So he's going to be arraigned today. So we have a lot of clips uh, from a lot of uh, people in the know um, because we are just, you know, talking about it. But It would be nice to hear from some of the lawyers and the legal minds um, about this case. This is a a big case. A couple of the key points that I want to reiterate is he's not going to be – Donald Trump, President Trump, is not going to be handcuffed. And uh, uh, Takapina, they have a new lawyer as well, new hotshot lawyer. But uh, they don't get along so much. Uh, Takapina um, is not uh, the perfect match, it seems like, but there he is. Um, I think there's a conflict of interest with Takapina, the uh, Trump attorney. He's a Brooklyn attorney. He's like a tough guy, right? But he's sort of friendly with Judge Juan Merchant. And Juan Merchant, you know, oversaw the Bannon situation so you know the judge over uh crucified bannon then the cfo is sitting in rikers and this judge also oversaw the trial that cost the trump organization over a million dollars so this is not a great judge for the trumps there's no love for the trumps here with this judge and somehow Takapino thinks that this guy is fair. I, I don't see it. You know, you got to look at what they, what have you done for me lately? So you got to look at it like that, first and foremost. So they got this new judge, and we're going to hear his name in, in a little bit, but um, I'm not new judge, new uh, attorney. And he's the one that actually got Bannon off on an appeal. And, 
you know, so it's kind of an interesting uh, situation there with the dynamics that are going in play. Takapino thinks that somehow they're not, there's not there's not going to be a gag order. And Dershowitz, for example, thinks that, uh, you know, if they do that, there will be one amicus brief after another of every First Amendment scholar in the land that will uh, write up an amicus brief to appeal that. A political candidate being muzzled? And at the end of the day, this is all a bunch of theater. And if you think about it, you saw the caravan going into New York and getting on a plane. You know, that, that's not cheap. That's, that's about, that's a, that's about uh, at least a couple of hundred thousand dollars to take that plane. And I hope he charges the taxpayers for it because you know what? Uh, I don't mind paying, footing the bill for Trump's defense. Meanwhile, at MAGAPAC.org, we're getting a lot of hate mail because of the DeSantis ads that are going on in Florida and elsewhere. And everybody thinks that we're behind these ads. And we're not allowed to do that. Um, Our organization is a 501c3. And it's uh, the parent company is BugleCall.org. And the doing business as nonprofit underneath BugleCall is magapack.org, and our sole purpose is messaging. We are all about pushing something we truly believe in, which is an anti-globalist position that supports America First policies to make America great again. As I said yesterday, we would love to have 100 Donald Trumps in Congress. No, we would love to have 535 uh, congressmen, representatives, and senators 435 in the House, 100 in the, all represent all replicas of Donald Trump's mission. Because we we support the American First policies. If we had all that, our country would be great, and globalism would be dead. And that's really our mission. So again, if you want to make a donation to MAGAPAC, don't hate us because of the DeSantis ads. We don't hate. DeSantis, and we didn't run those ads against DeSantis. So, you know, just one little thing there that we want to straighten out, because I can't tell you how much hate mail we've been receiving. Um, and that being said, our endorsement, if we were to endorse, or if we were a lot, like my own personal endorsement is Donald Trump. But that doesn't mean that we don't like DeSantis. We like Donald Trump for four more years, and we want DeSantis for the next eight. That would suit us just fine. But right now, it's Trump's time. Why, you might ask, is because of this situation in part. Now, this didn't change our opinion at all. We always thought that Trump took the slings and arrows and was was a victim and a martyr. And we always thought that ever since he went down the elevator uh, escalator in 2015, we've been on the Trump train in part because he is standing up to the man. He is the David versus Goliath. We never knew, though, how dirty and evil the Goliath was, and we didn't know the sources of it all. And we didn't know the web that it was. I mean, the play behind Hillary Clinton and her Russian hoax really had tentacles from globalism. 
This whole thing with Alvin Bragg is all about George Soros and his mission. Alvin Bragg is nothing but a puppet. And they got rally, they got all these, and, and I don't know what it is, but the top brass of the New York government right now, the New York City government, is 90% black. You got the DA who's black, the mayor who's black, and you got all these councilmen and le- civic leaders, and they all got together, and they all basically said, you know what, um... Trump is not going to bully us around. They literally said that. Trump is not going to bully us around. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. It's like, Trump's bullying you around? That's the pot calling the kettle black. And it's like, New York has become this, like, hellhole. Run by a bunch of racist, or reverse racist, I don't know what you call a black person who's racist, but it's run by a bunch of black socialists that have been milking the gravy train for far too long. And it's just absolutely wrong. It's anti-American. But they're milking the system. And it's, you know, you, and I'm just calling it the way I see it here. And I'm not even white. I'm a, I'm a Native American Indian. So, you know, tr- don't try it, right? I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, when you look at the election fraud, it's in all of these major cities. And these inner cities, Detroit, Philadelphia, Atlanta, um, Wisconsin, what's the main city there? Um, where Milwaukee. Very, you know, it's, it's, and what it is, is a bunch of white liberal uh, brainiacs, academics from Harvard and Yale, and all these white journalists that have really perpetuated and propagated and gaslight um, with the globalist agenda money. Because if you look at the picture of the globalists, they're all white. If you look at the annual, you know, screenshot of all the people at Davos, they're all white, liberals, socialists, and they're just exploiting. Black Lives Matter took in $83 billion. And what do we have for it? But a bunch of DAs that are just absolutely... Now, Krasner, white guy. White, liberal, socialist, elitist. And Bragg, black, liberal, socialist, elitist. He Harvard educated. Grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth. Look at Obama. I mean, he grew up in Hawaii. And then you got Gascon, who's probably uh, of a Latin descent. But it doesn't even matter. It's really more about ideology, and I've always said this, than skin color. But it's Soros-driven. Krasner, Gascon, Bragg, they've all gotten their money from Soros. And like I've said, and I've been saying, and I'm the only one that is saying it, by the way. Please, Give me that credit. I'm the only one that's saying it. I'm the only one that's saying that this whole thing is about implanting affordable elections, that they're affordable. So, you know, for George Soros, George Soros is basically, uh, you know, understand, he has got a whole playbook 
of how to screw over America. And he knows that you have to do it from the grassroots up. So he's implanting the investigators and the prosecutors to turn to, so that they get into place. And then he's unleashing an army of killers by, you know, showcasing, like, for example, there's the um, two black guys, a black uh, parking lot attendant who basically was being shot at by a car thief, a black car thief in New York City. And the black car thief uh, got wrestled to the ground by the black attendant. And um, next thing you know, the black attendant gets the gun. And because he shot the uh, burglar, I think both of them survived, but the, the, the car attendant survived, woke up to find himself after being shot up by a burglar, a car thief, strapped and handcuffed to the bed, the hospital bed, and um, there he was. And finally, Bragg you know, uh, dropped the charges against him. But Bragg was going to get him in, in for murder. Same thing that happened to the Latin, Latino um, uh, uh, truck clerk, you know, had a, had a gift, had a truck selling magazines and cigarettes and stuff like that on the uh, a bodega. And, um, and then basically he's getting robbed. He ends up killing the guy that was robbing him with a knife, and he's the one that goes to jail. So, I mean, it's abs- Tucker, Carl- Tucker Carlson co- covered it last night. And again, you got to look at this from a reverse discrimination. And it's not just about black and white, by the way, folks. It's, it's also about the, the, trans is the, the trans is the same playbook. You know, they want to um, treat the trans aggressors and terrorists differently than they would ever treat a white Christian. So, you know, Lady Justice is not blind. That's the biggest problem. We have this, this uh, you know, we have this Lady Justice that, is weighing all the politics and and all the gender and equity uh, kinds of things, and it's it's making for a very impossible place to live in America. And they're doing it by design. You know, that's the thing, is that when you take a look at someone like George Soros, he's stone-cold evil. I want to take a. Li- I want you to take a listen to this interview with uh, George Soros for a second. You may not have ever heard this. You may have, but it's absolutely stunning. And by the way, we're going to get to the indictments here in just a moment. Um, but believe it or not, uh, when we do a show, um, we see the numbers increase almost double by the time we get fifteen minutes into the show. But it's uh, uh, we have big numbers right now. And um, in any case, let's take a listen to this. This is this is George Soros as a 14-year-old Hungarian Jew and Democrat megadonor and Trumpator. George Soros posed as a Christian to escape persecution from the Nazis. He later then helped the Nazis confiscate property from the Jews. How do you square that? You're a That's a whole new Hungarian kind of evil. Jew who escaped the Holocaust, Mm -hmm. 
by posing as a, a Christian. Right. And you watched lots of people get shipped off to the death camps. Right. I was 14 years old. And I would say that that's when my character was made. In what way? That one should think ahead, one should understand and, and anticipate events. Uh, and uh, one, one is threatened. It was a tremendous threat of evil. I mean, it was a, a very personal experience of evil. My understanding is, is that you went out with this protector of yours who swore that you were uh, his adopted godson. Yes, yes. Went out, in fact, and helped in the confiscation of property yes. from the Jews. That's right. Yes. I mean, that's, that sounds uh, like an experience that would send lots of people to the psychiatric couch for many, many years. Was it difficult? Uh, not, not, not at all. Not at all. It, uh, maybe as a child, you don't you don't see the connection, uh, uh, but it was it created no no problem at all. No feeling of guilt. No. For example, that uh, I'm Jewish, uh, and here I am watching these people go. I could just as easily be there. I should be there. None of that. Well, uh, of course, I, uh, I could be on the other side, or I could be the one from whom it, the thing is being taken away. Uh, um, but there was no sense that I shouldn't be there, because uh, that was... Uh, uh, well, actually, funny way, it's just like in markets, that if I weren't there, of course I wasn't doing it, but somebody else would, 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 would be taking it away anyhow. And it was the, whether I was there or not, I was only a spectator, the property was being taken away. Wow, no remorse, no guilt, nothing. The guy is just, that is like, if you were to create an evil character in a movie, that would be it. Saw this meme, it says, don't forget to pay your taxes this year. Other countries are depending on it. It's tax season, right? Yeah, so I'm looking at these. Uh, this uh, New York City voters have allowed socialist racist politicians to turn Manhattan into a hopeless cesspool of corruption. It truly has become a disgusting banana republic and has gotten progressively worse since 9-11. As a former proud Manhattanite, I'd never lived there now. And um, that's, I used to live in Manhattan. I used to live in the West Village. I lived in Chelsea. I lived in Yorkville. And I could never live there now. It, and every time I visit, uh, I got to tell you, it's just so disappointing. Um, it's just become a shell of itself ever since 9 11, ever since the Patriot Act. You know, if you can't have, if you don't have freedom, folks, you have nothing, and that's what we're up against. But in any case, getting back to the MAGAPAC thing, if you would like to make a donation, you can go to magapac.org and make a donation because we are on the side of America First policies. We are not running those ads against DeSantis, and that's where I want to leave that. Um. So Eric Adams is one of the leaders of, uh, you know, he's the mayor of New York City. And so he has a he has a, a message for Marjorie Taylor Greene today. Maybe some rabble rousers 
thinking about coming to our city tomorrow. Um, so rebel rousers, right? So you could kill people. You could murder. You could wave your gun around. You could beat the crap out of people. But he doesn't want any political rebel, rebel rousers. So, you know, what? where is it? I mean, New York is a cesspool of corruption. And everybody that's flanked to him is a person as a minority of color of some sort. And you just got to wonder. It's like, no wonder this city is a hellhole that I wouldn't want to live in. And look at what Lori Lightfoot did to Chicago. You know, when, when is America going to wake up and say, we are not an equity com- country, we are an equality country, where everybody has a fair shake on things. But hiring a Supreme Court justice because of skin color is really the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, but yet that's what Biden did. And the guy that's leading the country right now, not leading, but, you know, running the country into the ground is being is an embarrassment because this whole country's become a cesspool of corruption. It, it has for a long time. But now we have really smart leaders from very powerful countries eating our lunch. We're going to talk about a story today about the balloon that has now gone around the country doing figure eights and collecting all kinds of sensitive data. So Kirby and Austin and all these miserable losers that run our Department of Defense and and our secure, national security have really mi- lied to us. They just flat out lied to us, folks, because the balloon had been around for a long time. Anyway, let's take a listen to this again. Houses. Thinking about coming to our city tomorrow, a message is clear and simple. Control yourselves. Control yourselves. New York City is our home, not a playground for your misplaced anger. We are the safest large city in America because we respect the rule of law in New York City. And although we have no specific threats, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is known to spread misinformation and hate speech. Uh, She stated she's coming to town. While you're in town, be on your best behavior. As always, we would not... She's telling a congresswoman to be on her best behavior. Can you... Oh, man. All the words that want to come out of my mouth right now. I want to... There's not enough. I mean, I can't do it. It, it makes for bad radio. Trust me. What I'm feeling makes for terrible radio. Eric Adams tells Trump supporters to control yourselves. <laughs> oh, my God. What a loser. Honestly, that's just the biggest crock of baloney I've ever heard. Well, we got a couple of latest reports. We're going to get to those right now. Um, I had uh, run some of these clips um, from uh, Fox and Friends this morning. Uh, It's just basically the latest uh, commentary on what you can expect today uh, during the arraignment. Let's take a listen. 
happened in New York City, bracing for demonstrations over former President Donald Trump's arraignment just hours from now. One report indicates that he will face 34 felony counts. Mm. However, the indictment remains under seal. Fox News sources say he is not expected to be put in handcuffs. That's right. Uh, Fox- and by the way, here's the interesting thing about the 34 felonies. You know who got that scoop? Michael Isikoff. You know who broke the... Um, uh, Christopher Steele dossier story colluded with the Brookings Institution and Fiona Hill and all those people. It was Michael Isikoff and David Korn from Mother Jones running basically a circular reporting operation from the spies and from the Hillary Clinton machine. And they were basically an arm of the Democrat Party spreading all these lies, then wrote a book about it, went on a book tour, and that's how they were spreading and propagating the Russian hoax story. Michael Isikoff is an is a disinformation guy, but yet he also gets, you know, basically any information he gets from the grand jury is a felony. I mean, I don't know why we have these laws about journalists that are allowed to protect their sources when they print something that's patently uh, illegal because the grand jury is supposed to be secret. So it's like, okay, when they have some dirt on Hunter Biden, they keep it secret. But when they have some dirt, uh, made-up dirt, on Trump, they don't keep it secret. Two standards of justice. Senior correspondent Laura Engel joins us live from Lower Manhattan, just outside the courthouse, where about six or seven hours from now, Laura, it is going to be a circus. It certainly is, and it certainly already is happening now. We've got tents of media, reporters and cameras, and security extremely tight. Uh, Just behind me in the last few hours, we've been here since 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, and we've seen another row of barricades uh, put up behind me uh, outside of this courthouse. And to my right, there is a line of people who have been camped out since yesterday afternoon. At 8 a.m., the first several groups of people will get a ticket to be inside of the courtroom for this historic arraignment of Donald J. Trump. And as you mentioned, we are just hours away. And as Ainsley mentioned, uh, Mr. Trump arriving at Trump Tower Monday afternoon, waving at his supporters, uh, lots of police presence there. We are now expecting to see him to arrive at the Manhattan Criminal Court building sometime around 1 p.m. this afternoon, ahead of his 2.15 arraignment. Now, the court proceedings will not be televised, and only still photos will be permitted. This, after the defense argued it will create a circus-like atmosphere at the arraignment, raise unique security concerns, and is inconsistent with President Trump's presumption of innocence. Law enforcement, including the NYPD and FBI, working to make this process as smooth and safe as possible. The Secret Service, as we know, will accompany Trump at all times, and that includes processing, fingerprinting, and if a mugshot happens, he is not expected to be handcuffed. Protesters and supporters of Trump lining the streets outside of Trump Tower yesterday, where the former president is right now after arriving from Mar-a-Lago. More are expected here in Lower Manhattan. New York City Mayor Eric Adams urging protesters yesterday. All right, so there isn't, isn't going to be any handcuffs and there's not going to be a photo. There's no photo that's going to happen today. Um, so that's kind of an interesting thing as well. Um, here's, here's a little bit more on this. So one charge for each record falsified. At least. 
They're going to look to dismiss the judge. They're going to look to dismiss their remove uh, a brag. They're going to uh, resist a gag order. They're going to look to dismiss the entire case. Uh, but that'll be uh, immediate. It'll be quick. But you have to figure, as for the most part, if I'm that judge, he already did the Bannon case. He did the CFO case. He did the Trump civil case. He's an expert. Why would he, why would he want to be part of this? Because it's already, you see how all those turned against the Trump people. There's no way that that is not a situation uh, that would be, at the very least, appearance of bias. But it'll probably stay on it. I thought Joe Tacopina was smart on Sunday to say I have no problem with it. Why? Because you don't want to get tick off a judge unnecessarily, number one. And number two, Joe Tacopina's got other cases in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also found out that they've added a uh, key attorney to the Trump defense team, mm -hmm. Todd Blanche, the Rolling Stone writes a story that Tacopina uh, is ruffling some feathers, so to speak, on the inside of the Trump team, uh, saying some negative things about his intellect. Oh, really? Yeah. And well, approach. All right. He's the Brooklyn attorney. You know, he might be tough great guy. for the, Exactly. A tough guy. Um, this, this new attorney, Todd Blanche, is going to join Joe Tacopino and some of the other lawyers uh, to be, what they're saying, additional firepower to the Trump legal team. He is the guy who successfully got Paul Manafort's case dismissed in the same courthouse. Now, they're saying from this report that you were right. talking about, the Michael Isikoff, was said he was tipped off. That's why he's saying there are going to be 34 felony counts uh, for falsifying business records. The reason that he's saying they were bumped up to a class E felony, as you right. said, still a felony, even so though funny. it is the lowest level of felonies here in New York. Uh, they're saying because Bragg says that Trump was intending to conceal another underlying crime. We're not sure what that crime is. We'll learn that right. today when they become unsealed. You know, and the thing about this new attorney who's been brought on, he did uh, get the Paul Manafort case dismissed, but that's after he was actually found guilty in federal court. And then Donald Trump uh, pardoned, uh, pardoned him. him. And then next thing you know, he argues uh, successfully, hey, you can't have double jeopardy in the United States of America. And they go, yep, you're right. Uh, you can leave. Uh, Lee Zeldin was with us a little while ago and was talking a little. Yeah, so that's uh, sort of the latest on on those things. Um, I wanted to play this clip from uh, yesterday. I wanted to play it. Uh, this is uh, Bill Barr. I wanted you to hear what he had to say. Involved, but based on the news reports, if they're accurate, uh, this is an abomination. It's the epitome of the abuse of prosecutorial power uh, to bring a case that would not be brought against anyone else. Uh, they are going after the man, not a crime. Mm. And the legal theory, uh, frankly, is pathetically weak. The case is held together by, you know, chicken wire and and uh, uh, paper clips and rubber bands it's it's a lousy case it's uh and uh it, it's it's a shame uh it's a shameful episode in our history where this local prosecutor is trying to affect the political process by bringing this uh case um this is politically driven as you suggested i, I think we all uh, know that or at least conservatives all know that what is this um, tattered legal theory? I'm still trying to figure that out. Well, according to news reports, the, 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 the threshold crime is false business records, uh, apparently reporting payments that were made to reimburse Michael Cohen, who had paid off uh, Stormy Daniels, and the characterization of those payments as legal payments. And the claim is that that's false and therefore violated a misdemeanor statute uh, in the first instance, against false documents. I actually don't think that's a valid claim in this case because the statute actually requires 
uh, that it be done with the intent to defraud. Mm. So if you have false business records, you know, and you're committing insurance fraud or some other kind of fraud where some value is taken from somebody else and you falsely get uh, value in your own name, uh, then the false records would be a misdemeanor. Uh, but I don't understand the basis for a fraud claim here. But then they take this misdemeanor, which also has a problem with the statute of limitations, and they try to shoehorn it into a, into a felony by claiming that the reason the document was falsified, the documents were falsified, was to cover up another crime. In this case, they're assuming that the payments were a campaign finance uh, violation because they were effectively a contribution to the Trump campaign. I can tell you that's not the law. I don't think that's how the Justice Department would view it. It wasn't brought by the Justice Department during uh, the Trump administration, but even after the Trump administration left, there was no inhibition on the Department of Justice to bring this federal claim if they thought it was valid and it was never brought. So uh, aside from that, uh, I think it's quite clear under the law that uh, payment, I'm going to call it hush money, I don't like mm -hmm. that term, but payments of hush monies to keep you know, affairs or other things like that uh, secret are not inherently unlawful. The question under the statute is, was it a campaign contribution? I think the law is quite clear it is not. And in fact, uh, I think uh, Merrick Garland, when he was a, D a D.C. Circuit judge, wrote an opinion along these lines relating to Senator Craig, Larry Craig. But put that aside, the, under the statute it would be a personal payment, a payment of a personal expense, and that is not a violation of the statute if it's the kind of payment that would have been made even apart from the campaign. And I think there's a compelling argument here that when you're dealing with a private company that's named after its founder, it's an eponymous company, mm. Trump, uh, of course uh, there, would, there would be payment to uh, protect the reputation uh, of, of the owner of the corporation. So I think it's a weak case altogether. Uh, unfortunately, I think it's going to accomplish what I think its political purpose, which is to uh, inject chaos into the Republican process. I actually think probably the governing intent here is to help Trump and have all the news focused on this kind of stuff for the next couple of years uh, and, uh, you know, turn the Republican primary into a circus. I mean, is there any doubt, maybe I'm overstating it in my, in my opening, is there any doubt that the basic thought here uh, leftist Democrats do not want Trump back in the White House, period, full stop. Is there any doubt about that? I mean, and they'll do anything it takes, legal, illegal, you name it, they'll do it. That is their ultimate goal. There's no policy goal here. There's no help in America. There's no wealth and prosperity and happiness. There's no bringing people up from uh, low incomes to high incomes. It's to stop Donald Trump. I think there's some Democrats who would like to drive him from the political scene completely because uh, of Trump derangement syndrome, and they consider him very dangerous and so forth. But I actually think that the most Democrats uh, who get involved in this kind of thing, they actually want to run against Trump because they think, whether they're right or wrong, people mm. can debate, but they think they can beat him. And uh, so they are actually trying to help him by... Uh, generating the support of his base, uh, and they feel that that will generate their own turn turnout. 
And so they're, they're essentially, I think, playing for a repeat of uh, the 2020 election. I mean, I think the Democratic Party can't figure it out. Half the Democrats think Trump is the easiest guy to beat in the general election. The other half fears so much that he might win the White House. I don't think they can quite figure it out. You can't have it both ways. But you, you and I can let them decide that. We don't have to decide right. that, at least not this evening. So, Bill Barr, where does this lead? Now we're prosecuting a former president on very dubious grounds, really small beer, uh, whatever the technicalities are. Where does this lead? Where does this take this country? Well, you know, to me, this is this is a fateful step. You know, I've I've often complained about the use of the criminal justice process in the political realm. But this is to me, there's no better. This is the epitome of the abuse of the prosecutorial power to preempt political decisions and sow discord in the political process. And I think it's going, you know, we're going to rue the day we cross this Rubicon. There'll be more and more of this. And, uh, you know, it just doesn't end well. It doesn't end well. It really, uh, I think it pulls the fabric apart. I mean, the country's already split. It's already divided. I know there's different motives here. I'm sure there are some Democrats who are still moderate Democrats uh, who have a different point of view than their brethren on the far left. I mean, Bill Barr, has this looked to people in Britain, in Europe, in Latin America, in Beijing, for example, in Vladimir Putin, uh, in Moscow. I mean, how's this look? Or is anybody, nobody thinks about that stuff anymore. I think it makes us look like a banana republic, and it should. Now, this is New York State, and New York State has been acting like a banana republic. They had that civil lawsuit against the, uh, Trump and, and his children, that civil lawsuit brought by the state attorney general. That was a political hit job as well. This ratches that up because it's a criminal case. And, uh, you know, these cases together, uh, to me, mean the breakdown of the rule of law uh, in New York state. How about the breakdown of the rule of law? How about the politicalization of the rule of law in the whole country, Bill Barr? That's 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 been happening. You know, all our institutions, Larry, are being politicized, all of them, the media, science, medicine, uh, education. uh, And and people aren't doing their jobs in those institutions. They they are pursuing a higher political agenda. uh, And so they sacrifice uh, what those institutions should be all about. And so we see that now with the breakdown of the rule of law, where people will decide cases not not based on principle and not with a blindfold on, regardless of who it is uh, who's who's in the dock. They are trying to use the law as a political tool. And Bill Barr, last question, because uh, we're old friends and I always respect your wisdom. How in God's name can we stop this very bad trend and lift this country back up? Well, I always say we, we have so many problems, it can be daunting. But I know the first step back, and the first step back is the, the step you and I took back in 1980 together when we worked for Ronald Reagan, which is we have to win. Uh, the Republican Party uh, has to uh, paint a, a positive vision of yes. uh, where we're going to go in the future, and we need a strong uh, leader who can take, take the country there and win a defi- decisive victory. Well... 
Yeah, when a decisive victory, he said. Um, you know, the thing is, is there nothing would make me more happy, though, than a little bit of an eye for an eye. I'm getting sick and tired of taking it on the chin. Um, we have a couple of more clips that I want to get through. Um, but yeah, I mean, could you imagine if Trump got reelected for 2024 and just hired his own team and said enough and hired somebody to clean house in the FBI and clean house in the DOD and basically uh, dismantle and uh, dismantle the uh, Department of Education completely, get rid of it and um, simplify the IRS and get rid of 90% of it. Um, we don't need these institutions that are just huge expenses for taxpayers. And then get out of funding and laundering money around the world. Um, the politicians would hate it, but you know what? Somehow this got has got to be done. And I would say... Uh, clean house at the CIA and the State Department as well. They just suck at what they do. All right, so let's take a listen to Laura Trump. You have to go Lara so far Trump. Lara Trump. as to make up a crime and piece it together with scotch tape to bring down Donald Trump because you just said it. They've been trying to do this for years, for almost seven years now, to take him down. Um, it's rather amazing, but yeah, it is a little surreal to, to truly think that this is where we are right now in the United States of America. And I think it's frightened a lot of people. I think it's it's awakened a lot of people. You know, as of 72 hours post-indictment, the Trump campaign raised $7 million. That is an incredible statistic. And I said on Friday on your show that a quarter of the donations were from first-time Trump uh, supporters. They had never donated ever to the Trump campaign in any campaign. So it is rather amazing to see the support from people out there, even with Sarah Carter's interviews there in the liberal bastion of New York City, to hear that people really do get it. I, well, I hope the people that ultimately are picked on the jury get it as well and see it as a political persecution and not a real trial and not based on real law. Um, I'm watching. I want to get your reaction. And I know Eric was on the plane with, with your father-in-law and your reaction to the O.J. like coverage of all of this. Uh, O.J., of course, accused of killing two people. Um, and the driver of the car is saying he's got a gun and he's in the back seat and he may kill himself. OK, this is over a hundred and thirty thousand dollar NDA about an affair that both sides agreed never happened even after the money was paid. So, Mike, I mean, that's got to be surreal to you and your entire family. Well, the, the craziest part, Sean, I think, is after landing in New York to see the entire New York Police Department in full force, mobilized, lining the streets. I mean, this must have cost the taxpayers of New York tens of millions of dollars, the uh, security coverage for this situation. And you just said it, over what? Over $130,000 completely legal non-disclosure agreement payment. You know, these things happen all day, every day in the United States of America. And the sad part is that Alvin Bragg, of course, the district attorney there in Manhattan, is supposed to be locking up criminals, supposed to be keeping the streets of New York safe. Yet this is where all of the energy, focus, and taxpayer money is going. We know. 
oh, their investigation has been years long into my father-in-law. They've been trying to find anything possible on him. And here we are on the eve uh, of his arraignment. Obviously, he will go down to the courthouse tomorrow. He will be frank. So think about that, though. You know, um, $130,000 seven years ago. Uh, it's unbelievable that this is happening. They're spending tens of millions of dollars. Look at all the money that they're spending for these illegals that are coming by way of plane and buses to New York City, and they're greeting them one by one as they get off the bus, putting them up in hotels and all kinds of things. Think about all the money that's being spent on this kind of crap, all to support some sort of a, um, a political agenda for the radical left, because they're taking all these uh, actions for political power. And the only way I could look at it is that they're converting these... Um, illegals into voters and they're securing their 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 power uh their 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 election and their power and their re-election bid with with fake ballots because they they have no ideas they're not talking about anything that helps you and me put uh food on the table they're not talking about that what they're talking about is this woke stuff that's just absolutely gone off the rails off the charts Meanwhile, we have this balloon from China that and then we're going to get into this restrict act here in the minutes that we have. But let's what take a listen to this. We now know because of this report that it was not just, you know, loosely traveling across the United States for a week. According to the report, this Chinese spy balloon was doing figure eight rotations yes. over some of our most sensitive nuclear sites. If not gathering digital intelligence, meaning, meaning photographs, they're getting signals intelligence, which means they're trying to get a sense of what kind of electronic signals are being sent, radar, others above these sensitive nuclear sites, and then sending it back to the communist Chinese. So by the time John Kirby's saying this is benign, they would have known the exact flight path. They would have mm. known that it was loitering. See, see that, that, that graphic you're showing right now? That makes it look like, ah, it was moving. You know, that's just a TV graphic. The Pentagon has a real graphic, which shows how close it got, where it stayed. And it, because of the aircraft we would have had next to it, would have known what, you know, more or less what its capabilities were because it wasn't moving quickly. They're just cowards and probably liars because in this particular instance, cowards because they weren't willing to take an action to confront China, which is confronting us around the world in various ways, most non-military, but they'd like to win a war with us before a, a shot has to be fired. Um, and then and they di didn't have the courage to just be straight and shoot it down. And then they're not honest with the American people. And then you wonder why we don't trust them. But that poll reveals that average people have common sense and can see through this. This is a very dangerous thing that occurred, and they waited until Surfside Beach, South Carolina, to shoot it down. That's it. That's exactly right. That's exactly how. And then listen to what the people on the street are saying uh, related to Trump today. Do you think this is a politically motivated indictment by the Manhattan DA? No doubt. Only political. Everything they've done against Trump has been political, starting with Russia collusion. It's all a pack of lies. I think it's just he's charged like anyone else would be, and I think it's great that it's happening. Any other politician would be as scrutinized as Donald Trump has been? No. I do not. Why do you think that is? He's a polarizing figure. And when you become a polarizing figure like that, you live under scrutiny. It's just... 
something to talk about in the media. It's he's not going to jail. This is going nowhere, and I feel like it's a big waste of time. Do you think any other politician would face the same kind of scrutiny? Absolutely. You think? Absolutely, yes. yes. He's the first one. Well, the other politicians are. He's the in first York president, City. but other politicians have been indicted before, haven't they? Yes. Do you think if it was anybody else, would this be happening? Of course not. I mean, Trump. There's no question, and I don't. And I think the Democrats would agree to that as well. That uh, Trump is definitely the. Uh, which, by the way, is guaranteeing him 2024. I think this is the best thing, quite frankly, for the <laughs> Trump supporters. Yeah, yeah, likely so. All right. Well, we we have um we have a we have a lot of clips here, um, but some of them are too long, and I want to get to another subject before we run out of time. Um. Okay. So listen to this. This is uh, about the Restrict Act. I want you to listen to two clips about the Restrict Act, the TikTok Act. And read the bill. There are three things in this bill that every American needs to know about. Number one, this bill gives the federal government access to your computer and your network through PlayStation, Ring Doorbell, Facebook, anything that has over a million followers on its platform, the federal government can access that platform and look at your instant messages and all of your correspondence. Second, it makes it illegal to have a VPN to the tune of $250,000 fine and a 20-year prison sentence. And third, and the scariest, this gives the President of the United States the power to appoint a communications secretary, appoint, and that secretary then goes and gathers a committee, not voted on by us, and they can have closed door meetings to decide what content we can and cannot see on platforms. That is scary, folks. Listen to a little bit more of this now. I think this is the biggest bait and switch mm. that Washington, the central government, has ever tried to pull on us. Everybody thinks that they're just trying to ban TikTok from operating in the U.S. And if that's all they did, then I think the bill would be supported by most Americans. But that's not what they're doing. They're not restricting tiktok they're restricting us that's not the goal here yeah what a bait switch it's a huge bait and switch and so just so you know what the act provides is that a u.s citizen using a vpn to access tiktok could theoretically be subjected to a maximum penalty of one million in fines or 20 years in prison or both now you know they'll say you know mark warner the sponsored legislation will swear up and down that's not the intent but the problem is that the language of the bill is so vague that some clever prosecutor may want to pursue this theory one day, and that needs to be stopped. Also, there's another problem with the bill, which is you think this is just about TikTok. It's not. What they do is it says here, I guess they don't want to mention TikTok by name. So they're trying to create a category of threatening application. But because it is a category, it's very, very broad. So the bill states that it covers any transaction, transaction, not just an app, in which an entity described in subparagraph B has any interest, and then entities described in subparagraph B are, quote, a foreign adversary, an entity subject to the jurisdiction of or organized under the laws of a foreign adversary, an entity owned, directed, or controlled by either of these. And then it gives the executive branch the power to name a foreign adversary, any foreign government regime that one of the cabinet secretaries defines without any vote of Congress. So this is giving sweeping powers to the executive branch to declare, 
you know, foreign companies to be enemies. This feels like the plot of the uh, prequels in Star Wars. <laughs> well, <laughs> Emergency like powers, said, here we go. <laughs> we, you know, we criticize uh, China for having a great firewall. What do you think this is? Yeah, I mean, this... this sh- yeah, and, and then here we got... Um, we got this, and then I'm going to blow your mind. The with, Restrict uh, Act is nothing short clip. of a betrayal of our democracy, as it seeks to impose this digital iron curtain, allowing our own government to monitor our every move, censor our online speech, and crush any dissent, all under the guise of national security. Now, the Restrict Act is a direct affront and threat to our democracy, and we must take a stand and fight to ensure that it does not pass the restrict act is yeah nothing well um say goodbye to your vpn that's going to be illegal and here um take a listen to this this will blow your mind they're tracking your eye meta is higher they're tracking where your eye is looking you see meta is hiring a technical program manager for eye tracking research i just wanted to make sure that you didn't miss what under the desk news said here about Buddy Carter, the Republican from Georgia who asked about eye tracking in the TikTok hearing. He asked the CEO of TikTok about eye tracking when the reality is that it's Mark Zuckerberg, Meta, and Facebook who are actually hiring for someone to track eye movements. They're doing it. It is projection. There it is, folks. And if that didn't make you feel good enough, Fauci predicts so if we really want to prevent the, the next, next pandemic, pandemic, and there will be one, there will absolutely be an outbreak of another pandemic. It may be next year or it may be in your grandparent, your grandchildren and your great grandchildren's lifetime. We don't know. So if we don't know, but there's going to be one because it's very lucrative for the powers that be. Yeah. Right. So that's what's going on there. And Mark Warner the Restrict Act pioneer uh, is the guy behind all this. Take a listen. I'm not going to talk. There were a series of senators um, that sat down with, with Mark Zuckerberg. Um, and I thought, as somebody who's got a long litany of issues uh, over the last two years uh, about how I think we need to put some guardrails around social media, I had interactions Guard with, with Mr. Zuckerberg a number media. of times over the years. I wanted my colleagues to have a chance to let them express their concerns, and I wanted him to hear uh, that, you know, and and we kind of had a pretty wide spectrum of views at the table uh, from some of the harshest critics of Facebook. I I wanted them to hear how, how deeply we all feel and how critical it is um, that these companies He talks too slow. Restrict Act sponsor Mark Warner has been the single most influential domestic censorship pushing censor pushing member of Congress for the past five years. Here's him with DHS censorship architect Chris Krebs. Remember him in 2019 bragging about how he had uh, just shaken down Mark Zuckerberg. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams show. Please check out magapack.org. Find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Make a donation if you can. Also, uh, use Red State over at uh, MyPillow for your promo code. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Just to bury my kids right up to there.